0: blog talk radio welcome to the neil garfield show a presentation sponsored by the living lies blog gtc honors LendingLies.com, and the garfield firm servicing all 50 states and 24 countries with news and analysis about the largest economic crime in human history This program is for general information only and should not be used as a substitute for legal advice or consultation with a licensed professional. This show is not intended as a solicitation for the engagement of any services. And now, presenting world-renowned author, trial lawyer, CLE lecturer, and court-approved expert witness on securitization of debt, Neil Garfield.
1: Hi, this is Neil Garfield, and this is Thursday, April 16th, 2020, middle of a pandemic. Stay safe and stay healthy. We're not just dealing with a pandemic of disease. We have a pandemic of lying. We see it constantly as the words of our elected leaders clashes with reality. We see it daily in court actions and decisions based upon bogus claims it seems that it doesn't matter if you really have a claim or a defense. The system is rigged to help only those who can afford it. Bailouts come mostly to those who don't need it, while the rest of us are just food to a hungry system looking for more profits. The balance is unbearable. But as Thomas Jefferson said in the Declaration of Independence, there's only so much that people will endure before they rebel." Maybe that time is now. We'll see. For 20 years, homeowners have been losing their homes based upon the deep-seated belief that despite all the fraud, fabrications, and even perjury, somehow the foreclosures were giving money back to people who paid for transactions that were loans. But for the banks, This has strictly been an exercise in profit-making from the issuance and trading of securities based upon dated descriptions and not, as they would have you believe, the sale of any loans. And an exercise in profit-making through invoking the process of foreclosure. So foreclosure sales have not produced sales proceeds of money that was then forwarded to anyone who paid money for any debt. And under current black letter law in all jurisdictions, that means the foreclosures were and continue to be illegal, possibly void. To achieve acceptance of this understanding, a massive effort must be undertaken to educate the public and judges and lawmakers about the true nature of what Wall Street has been calling securitization. Securitization simply means making a security out of an asset. Securitization means splitting an asset into multiple pieces and then selling off those pieces to investors. In our case, the asset has always been presumed to be a debt. And even the homeowners think that it is a debt. So we need to educate them too. For all the homeowners who are listening, just be open to the possibility that despite all appearances to the contrary, the asset was not a debt. It was information about the debt. It was a description about the debt. It was data. In reality, the transaction was a royalty payment to the homeowner for consent to sell their personal data, profit from which sales resulted in a tidal wave of money that dwarfed any transactions with the homeowners. In a shorthand way, I've said that the loans were sold many, many times. In fact, that's not true. They weren't sold to begin with. It was the data on the homeowner that was sold many, many times. Same difference to the bank, except that they didn't have anything to account for because they were just selling data. It was never disclosed to the homeowner And it still isn't disclosed. In fact, it's denied by the banks, although not directly. They don't say anything directly because nobody wants to go to jail. Nobody on earth is legally or even morally entitled to receive a dime from homeowners who were tricked into these securitization schemes. That statement, that thought, is hard to swallow for everyone and judges most of all. They don't buy it. They don't want to buy it. Real banks were also paid a royalty for the use of their names. But the banks who were named as trustees with their consent never had to pay back the royalty payment. With homeowners, they're not only required to pay it back, they're losing their homes if they don't. It's a simple proposition. Would investors have ever supplied the money for this scheme if they were not sold certificates issued by a securities brokerage firm doing business under the name of a non-existent trust? No. They would never have made a direct loan, whether it was good or bad. They weren't interested in doing that. Would the investment banks have ever funded transactions with homeowners if they were actually making loans? No. They were in the business of securities. They were solely interested in selling the personal information, uh, financial information, reputation of the homeowners in what they called derivatives that did not derive any value from the loan. Because none of those derivative instruments represented any right title or interest in any debt, any note, or any mortgage. Repayment under this arrangement was a perk, not a requirement. Would homeowners have entered into such an agreement to sell their personal information at the risk of losing their homes without receiving adequate compensation? No, of course they wouldn't. Nobody would. But they didn't even know that was the deal. And they still don't, for the most part. And even when I tell them, like I'm telling you now, doesn't quite compute. I went in there for a loan. I got a loan. How could it not be a loan? Well, it can only be a loan or a loan agreement if both sides were interested in doing a loan, one to give the money and the other to take the money as a loan and the other to give the money and to make their money by getting repayment with interest. That never happened on the lending side, wherever securitization was involved. Now, there are, of course, the exceptions, where the small bank or credit union or whatever literally gave the loan, still has it, and all that stuff. None of this applies to those situations. So no part of this scheme would ever have taken place but for the false pretenses of the banks who are still laughing at us suckers for bailing out non-existent losses. There were no losses. Everyone in every phase of the scheme they call securitization has been paid. Not just in full, but many times over. Except, of course, the homeowner who continues to be hounded for more money to add to the profit of the players in this scheme. How else do you think they paid pizza delivery guys commissions of $500,000? Why else would they spend billions of dollars advertising 2% loans? How else could they offer seven years without interest and no payments for 120 days? Why else would they accept and even prefer false appraisals that are high? Why else would they give out money without any documentation? Because they were getting what they wanted, the signature of the homeowner, the information on the homeowner that they could sell. Who made money on those transactions and why? It was the securities brokers and everybody who was a vendor to them. Simple answer. It was never about a loan of money, not to the banks. For the banks, it was not a loan. Payment to the homeowner was a cost of issuing securities. It was always about the sale of securities. For the banks, it was all about getting the signed consent of homeowners to a transaction about which they knew nothing. And homeowners were cheated out of their share of the bounty of the transaction by a simple deception. The banks just called it. They labeled it a loan. And because they labeled it a loan, they got homeowners to agree to sign loan documents And in those loan documents, they got the homeowners to agree to put up their homes as collateral. By fooling the homeowners, the banks fooled the world. Here's a simple fact there is no legal person, there's there's no person or legal entity that is currently reporting ownership of your loan if it has in any way been part of any scheme of securitization. That sounds crazy to most people. How can there be nobody who's the creditor? Well, nobody is carrying an asset receivable on any balance sheet in that situation. And the reason is they all got paid. They got paid through the sale of data. That's why the only evidence in foreclosure courts are the payment histories of the homeowner, not the bookkeeping history of the creditor. Because there is no creditor, and that's the point. By not having such an entity, the investment banks were not liable to anyone for how they dealt with the illusion of the debt. They were selling data, not debt. The banks have leveraged ancient presumptions about the facial validity of documents, even if they're fabricated and forged. So it is up to the homeowner to challenge the foreclosure, and that means spending money, and in some cases, far more money than any one homeowner can afford. So tonight, I'm addressing what I've received in dozens and dozens of emails and comments about how do we pool our resources. We discussed the possibility of a perfectly legal procedure in which the resources of thousands of homeowners could be pooled to put an end to this mess once and for all. But that will only happen if the effort is successful, and you've got to remember that the deck is stacked against us. Just a fact. Dozens of groups and hundreds of individuals have contacted me over the years seeking to put together a large organization that will be the vehicle for accomplishing this huge task. The pace has been quickening in recent weeks, so I'm responding. I responded to many of those groups by email, and I'm broadcasting this message now to all of my listeners and readers. And the message is is this. Yes, we can. And whether it's yes, we will is pretty much up to you. Mass joinder is not a class action, although class action is another avenue which sometimes looks on paper to be attractive. The problem with class actions is that getting certified by the court as a class action is next to impossible. The rules are growing increasingly strict and that's to protect big business. And Any material variation of facts between class members is basically grounds to destroy the class. It wasn't always that way, but that's the way it is now. So I think we're left with mass Joinder. Some of you know that the mass joiner vehicle has been tainted by bad players and bad enforcement by government agencies, particularly by the Federal Trade Commission, who failed to look at the fraud of the banks and instead looked at the mistakes of those who tried to challenge the banks. We can learn from those mistakes, and we can do this. If enough of you want it, and more importantly, if enough of you are willing to step up with time, real commitment, money, and energy to make this happen. This is not an advertisement for retaining my firm or me or any firm to file a mass joinder. Nobody's advertising services here. This is an invitation to people like you to get together in your living rooms and virtual living rooms across the country on Zoom or other services to talk about how you're going to contribute and about who you will accept leadership from and how much time and effort you will commit to what will be a long-term endeavor. Make no mistake about it, the banks will not fold. They will not suddenly get scared and go, oh my, that's not going to happen. They've made trillions of dollars, and unless you really make it far down, Uh, down the road they're not even going to take you as a serious threat this is not some scare tactics the banks have the upper hand and they believe they will win and they may be right so don't ever discount the fact that this is not some guarantee of some result that will necessarily impact uh, you or any other specific homeowner or their loan or foreclosure. But it could. And the law is on your side if you apply it properly. Again, that doesn't mean you win. Even in the cases where the deficiencies in the foreclosure were were fairly obvious and it's litigated properly, there have been numerous other uh, Um, cases where they have nonetheless lost. I have won using the facts and strategies that I have uh, uh, been talking about. But I have also lost. And so have many of the other good attorneys. So make no mistake about this. It will be a massive undertaking requiring thousands of hours of time from paid professionals and volunteers to pull this off. It will require large amounts of money generated from all sorts of people, perhaps in GoFundMe type of efforts or other types of programs to raise money. If it all works out well, then hundreds of thousands of people will be in a good position not only to save their homes, but to correct the enormous social and legal injustices that have plagued us since the scheme began in which Wall Street claimed to have securitized residential mortgage loans, or I should say where Wall Street uh, falsely claimed to have securitized residential mortgage loans. We will face a steep uphill climb with lots of attacks coming from various quarters. If it doesn't work out well because we didn't litigate it well or just because we lost, then all that money and time will have probably been spent for nothing, although it may assist a number of homeowners on the defense side uh, where they end up winning. Perhaps some of the people who hear this broadcast or who receive my email can get together and actually start something real and I will help within the boundaries of the law as it is currently applied. You've gotta be aware that you're going to get a lot of flack for doing this. And various agencies might investigate your move, your every move, my every move, whatever. So whatever you do, make a commitment to do it by the book. And don't try to fight fire with fire by lying against the liars. Tell the truth. Tell the truth when you're getting together. Tell the truth if you're soliciting contributions. Tell the truth. The banks will employ every resource at their disposal to defeat your efforts and even get you fined or penalized in some other way be extremely careful not to make promises that involve some guarantee of result and you must make extra effort to disclose the risks and shortcomings that might occur in the effort just like in a prospectus for an IPO if anyone lies or mistakes or, or misstates or inflates the prospects of the of the venture the whole thing could fail before it begins that'll be what the banks pounce on And for those who see this as an opportunity to make profit off of false promises and guarantees, we will weed you out and even refer you to law enforcement where appropriate, so go away. So the initial phase is, let's take a look at this. Let's define mass joiner. It is a lawsuit filed in a single court, usually a federal court, if the plaintiffs are crossing jurisdictional lines um, and often in federal court because the defendants cross jurisdictional lines, asserting a common claim against common enemies. It is filed on behalf of named plaintiffs and it is filed by attorneys who represent the named plaintiffs. The list of named plaintiffs can be huge. In a way, it is like a class action, except that instead of referring to the class, you're naming every member of the class as a plaintiff, an individual plaintiff. The entity that I think is in the process of formation, from what I'm gathering from people that I'm talking to, will sponsor probably many such mass jointer lawsuits filed in numerous courts in different jurisdictions. It will attack each falsely named remit trust and the players who are using that name to foreclose under false pretenses. It will seek declaratory injunctive and supplemental relief damages. If successful, it will undermine many, perhaps most, perhaps all foreclosures that are based on securitization success won't come easy what I've told these groups that as a bare bones starter it's just like when you're starting a class action the amount of money it takes to fund that is astronomical I think you'll need at least fifty thousand dollars to just set up a website and subscribe to certain services I think you'll have a huge mailing and advertising expense I would say at least a hundred thousand dollars and this is just for starters. There'll be about $150,000 in fees paid to investigators and process service. You'll probably need professional help in public relations, so it becomes at least somewhat dangerous to challenge you. That will probably cost another $100,000. Then you'll have at least $250,000 in initial fees, costs, and expenses paid to lawyers who will form the group That will litigate what you will see in this email will be a mass joinder of mass joinder lawsuits. This crosses jurisdictional lines, and it's very intricate, and it goes beyond the scope of what I can talk about on this program. If you can develop a budget of another $250,000, you'll be able to hire professional political activists and operatives who can lobby, select state and local government for changes in the law and perhaps more importantly, to prevent changes in the law that the banks are secretly pushing. These figures are daunting. I understand that. It's what stopped me from being able to do it on my own. But they're part of everyday life in the world of class actions and similar efforts. If it was easy, everyone would have already done it. My name and and my blog could be crucial for credibility, but be aware that I have many paid detractors. Flack will be coming in from all sides. You may want to announce that a mass joiner effort exists. I can't make an announcement like that unless and until I know there is an active, organized group of non-lawyers with a business plan and funding. I also can only make that announcement when we have lawyers who will litigate it on the ground and that includes even if I'm involved. I know you, some of you would like to simply announce it and then leverage off the announcement to see what you can attract, but you're going to have to find another way. Mass has resulted in severe penalties to lawyers and non-lawyers who were even just on the periphery of such efforts in the past because of some intense and sometimes misleading selling techniques that were used to get people, homeowners, on board. Once you get a founding group together, I'd be willing to announce that and even interview the participants in that group to help promote it. This is a slow process, like tortoise and the hare. Leverage off the fact that there's going to be a huge spike in foreclosures starting within the next 60 to 90 days or so. Get your group known and see if you can get folks people to write articles for local news outlets appear on local tv and radio find ways on social media to get buzz so you can start efforts to get people to join the issue of money is not as simple as it appears mass joinder is the equivalent of multiple plaintiffs filing in the same lawsuit so the facts must be the same that means you're looking for if you're looking for a mass joinder action, which I still believe is the way to go, you need very similar facts almost to the degree of a class action. So I think this translates as filing separate lawsuits as a mass joinder against a single group of defendants. The only facts that would be different are the details of the origination. In a class action, the origination details might need to be the same too. So, for example, it would be John Doe, Jane Rowe, et cetera, as plaintiffs versus Bank of New York Mellon, for example, Chase Bank, Select Portfolio Servicing, and Credit Suisse would be defendants, being all those who have used foreclosure in the name of Bank of New York Mellon as trustee for the certificate holders of the XYZ Inc., Mortgage Pass-Through Certificate Series 2007-Alt-9. It's the it, uh, it, it's just that securitization that you would be suing under in each mass jointer. This means getting out the word to everyone who has been foreclosed in the name of that entity. And it also means subscribing to Salesforce or Formsite so you can... Uh, get people to fill out registration and intake forms so you can cull the the data. You can advertise for more than one such name and put together agreements of mutual shared expenses between one mass joiner and another. One of the tactics likely to be employed by lawyers for the other side is to litigate each plaintiff individually if the judge will let them. If this happens, then you have to be prepared to send lawyers to court on hearings as to each separate plaintiff. Um, I don't know how far that will go, but I'm sure that they will try to do that. These lawyers are not going to volunteer their time, and they're not going to be willing to sacrifice a substantial portion of their time for a contingency fee, fee alone. They need to be paid well in addition to their share of a contingency fee. For many years, homeowners have been left in the dust, defenseless against bogus claims of foreclosure, which have been defeated thousands of times only by a select few who have had the resources and the experienced trial counsel to beat those bogus claims. I've advocated for combining resources to, to mount a real challenge and to stop this process. Everyone seems to agree. The issue is whether there are enough people who are willing to step up and be part of a movement that must grow large enough to beat back the entrenched interests of the largest banks in the world? I don't know what the answer is, but there appears to be only way to find out. Let's stop guessing. So I'll carefully monitor incoming communications regarding this effort. We'll see if a collective action is possible. If not, the situation will remain the same, each homeowner on their own with limited resources out for themselves. Send your comments to Neil F. Garfield at Hotmail.com. Good luck to all of us. Talk to you next week.
0: The opinions expressed on the Neil Garfield show are those of its hosts and should not be ascribed to any other persons or entities. For more information about Neil, the blog, or upcoming seminars, please visit LivingLies.me. Give us a call at 954 451. Twelve thirty, or send an email to n-e-i-l-f-g-a-r-f-i-e-l-d at hotmail.com. Thank you for listening to The Neil Garfield Show. If the information has helped you, consider making a donation by visiting livinglies.me. Step
1: into the world of power